Elizabeth Olsen has opened up about how nepotism has shaped her career. Can you have coffee before bedtime? We are turning to science for the answer. And Stephen LeConte joins us to give all of you more advice. It's February 19th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Okay, so it's Friday, and what Friday means is that I talk about WandaVision and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I support that. I, I am also very passionate about the WandaVision. I have not been this addicted to a show that comes out every week in, I don't know, since before streaming. Do you know what I'm feeling really dumb about, though? And I, like, it crossed my mind, and I was just being lazy. Everyone, if you're watching WandaVision, you should be watching the credits. It's Marvel. Watch the credits, always. <laughs> and I haven't been, so now I need to go back and watch it. But anyways, that is not specifically what I have to talk about today. It is about Elizabeth Olsen, who's in WandaVision, and we all know she's a star. But we also know her from her older twin sisters, Mary-Kate and Ashley. And recently, in an interview with Grazia USA, Elizabeth opened up about how nepotism influenced her career. Nepotism is a thing, and I'm very aware of it, she told the magazine. And, of course, I've always wanted to do it alone. Elizabeth also said, I was a very hammy, performative child, so I do think I got to live out some sort of childhood dream doing the show, which, you know, makes total sense to me considering WandaVision is featuring different decades of family sitcoms, so it must have been very surreal to pay homage to Full House, a.k.a. the show her twin sisters starred on. But Zach, thoughts on the old nepotism? You know, my thing with nepotism is you just gotta, like, tell the truth talk from where you're coming from, name the privilege, if you will. And my feelings about Elizabeth Olsen, as someone that has gotten the privilege of meeting her and interviewing her for things before, is that, like, she is talented beyond her sisters. She may be more talented than her sisters. <laughs> so I don't really care. It got her through the door, but Mother is, like, really doing the real work in Hollywood right now, and I, I support her. I do, too. You know, like, uh, it's like, okay, we know nepotism exists. It's out yeah. there. But I'm like... You know, when someone comes from a privileged background, but they're also really amazing, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Let's keep going. That's how I feel about Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I'm like, she comes yes. from like massive oil money, right? Wealth. She's a billionaire yeah. heiress. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> but I'm like, she's so funny and so good that I literally don't care. <laughs> exactly. The only person I'm obsessed with talking about nepotism with is Lily Collins, the child of Phil Collins. <laughs> I just got to keep bringing it back there just so you guys can never forget this. So anyway... Good luck at the Golden Globes, girl. <laughs> Meanwhile, we need to talk about coffee. People have been on the fence about whether or not it's good for you for years, but a new study says, quote, coffee alters your brain matter. Here's how this works. For all of you science nerds out there, gray matter is part of the central nervous system, consisting mostly of the cell bodies of nerve cells. Previous studies reveal that sleep deprivation can impact the amount of gray matter in the brain as well. The thinking went that if you drank a caffeinated beverage, like coffee, too close to bedtime, that it would adversely affect the gray matter in your brain. So in the study, one group of people took a caffeine pill and another group took a placebo. The surprising results reveal caffeine use does not result in poorer sleep. However, researchers find that there are significant changes in the volume of gray matter just in the 10 days with or without caffeine in a person's system. After 10 days of no caffeine, participants had a much higher volume of gray matter in the brain than they did while consuming caffeine. And even though I told you all those wonderful things, I don't know what gray matter is. So I was just caffeine. about to say that you just said gray matter like 10 times. And I'm like, what is gray matter? <laughs> I think it's like, I can't even make a good joke here. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just going to assume like we need gray matter because I don't know. I don't know. Okay, Casey. But, but it does make sense when it's like talking about like 
it's consisting mostly of the cell bodies of nerve cells. That that makes sense with how everyone feels after coffee. Although I do need to talk about that. So you know, like how you know. I feel like you find out lies about things all the time. Like, you yeah. know, like condoms aren't 100% effective. Decaf <laughs> coffee isn't 100% without caffeine. That's a lie. There's still caffeine in there. <laughs> the point of the story and the reason I'm talking so fast is that I had a really big cup of decaf coffee today and I have a lot going on in my body. I'm all jittery, which is insane because it's not even real coffee. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, stop I'm sorry. This made me laugh on so many levels. <laughs> Mainly because why is it that your brain, when you went to something like a product that doesn't work, you went to condoms. Like out of every product in the world, condoms are the things you're like, they don't actually work 100% of the time. That's one of those like go-to jokes in a TV show. Like I ate my twin in the womb or condoms aren't 100% effective. That's like in every sitcom ever. So I'm like, that's where I went. <laughs> this is why I don't watch straight sitcoms because this is <laughs> wild. Why Why are we putting this out there? Condoms are 99% effective. If correctly that is great don't we don't need the children out here afraid of wearing condoms they're not wearing them enough as it is the children anyway thank you casey for that we're going to unpack why your logic is going to condoms today after the show <laughs> we'll ask Stephen. <laughs> okay so speaking of we're back with yet another installment of dm 911 with Stephen laconti here's how it works Stephen keeps his dms open in order to give advice to anyone that needs it Today, we're talking about a person whose father is about to file for their third divorce, a woman who thinks her twin will hate her engagement ring, and someone concerned their neighbor's fights have turned violent. Hi, Steven. Thanks for joining us again. Hey, thanks for having me back. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. All right, we got some tea for you for this Friday. So starting here. This girl's father married his third wife back in 2013, and everyone loves her. The problem is that the father has points in his life where he starts pushing people away, and he's doing that with his wife. He's claimed he wants a divorce, and that they argue all the time, but our writer doesn't think that's true. Her father has already cut ties with a close friend of 20 years. So how should our writer advise their father? Well, this to me sounds like a job for a therapist, <laughs> not a daughter. <laughs> and, and I don't think in the long run it's going to be healthy for you to become the person responsible for managing your dad's self-destructive behaviors. Um, I think you are well within your rights if you want to point out to your dad what you're seeing. Like you can tell him, I think you isolate yourself from people you love. I've seen you do this before. I think you're doing it now. And it's hard to watch because I think in the long run, this really hurts you. I think that's a totally valid thing for you to tell him. And maybe it will be helpful, even eye-opening for him to hear it from someone he loves. But from there... I would pivot the conversation pretty quickly to talking about getting him a therapist. And I wouldn't get too in the weeds with him about like the specifics of his marriage or the specifics of the friendship of 20 years that he ended or anything else. He'll have excuses and explanations for everything. But the truth is, if he has a habit of doing things like this, there's almost certainly a larger issue he needs to address, and a licensed professional is the only one who can help him do that. Hopefully, he'll be open to seeing a therapist, and you can help him navigate the process of finding one. But if he isn't open to it, I think you just have to let this one go. You have to let him lead the life he wants to lead, even if it's a painful one. And you'll need to create the kind of emotional boundary for yourself where his downward spiral doesn't lead to your own downward spiral. Steven, I don't know if you're going to have an answer to this, but maybe you've read something. I feel like a lot of people have this problem, um, you know, especially with boomers where therapy wasn't the normal thing to do. Are there any tips or suggestions of how to get someone to go to therapy? 
Yeah, this is like an interesting thing that I've actually come up against in my own life. And I think that one thing that we have to like undo in the boomer generation is the stigma of the idea that like therapy is a thing that you need if there's something like wrong with you. Um, you know, boomers understand that like physical medical issues need a doctor's attention. And I think that we need to start talking about mental health with them the same way we talk about physical health is in like, you know, there's this issue that like there is help available to you and there's no shame. There's no stigma. So many people nowadays go to therapy. I think it's just about removing the stigma from the experience because they're used to the idea, you know, they have all these offensive kind of associations. It's like, it's the place like the, like the loony people go, you know, we have yeah. to undo that. Yeah. I always tell people I'm a big proponent for everyone being in therapy. And I tell people, think of it as like a weekly lunch you go to with a good girlfriend where you have to ask nothing about their day. You just talk about you the whole time. I love it's that. Wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. A delightfully one-sided friendship that you pay for. In fact, yes. it would be like, frowned upon if you asked about their day. <laughs> yes. You have to do no labor for this other person. And I think we all, a conversation is between two people sharing and listening. You ain't gotta, I mean, you should listen to your therapist, but they don't have to share anything with you. It's great. It's wonderful. I also do think like, there's value, like parents usually really love their children. And I think that there's value and weight to a child telling their parent, like, I think you need to do this. And that can often bring someone who's iffy over the edge. Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. All right, well, we'll be right back to hear more great advice from Stephen. SheFit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. Hi, I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of the Dr. Sex Reese Show. And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues. And yes, I despise every minute of it. I yeah. mean, she, she made mistakes too, right? That's I mean, true. She, she did she, kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real. We're all trapped here. And there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Dr. Sex Reese Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure and pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure. And they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back. We're talking with Stephen Lacanti, and he's dishing advice on so many things. Next up, we're talking wedding rings. This writer has a twin sister, and the sister's boyfriend is planning on proposing. He's a good guy, gets along well with the family, all that good stuff. But his ring choice for our writer's sister is not good. The ring is too big and flashy and not the sister's style. And the boyfriend said he wanted to get her something she can be proud of. 
Should our writer speak up when the boyfriend has already put money down on the ring? He doesn't want to hurt the boyfriend's feelings, but also doesn't know if he should approach this at all and wants to get his sister a ring she'd love. Okay, I think this one's easy. I think you should definitely <laughs> let him know. You'd be doing your sister yeah. a favor and you'd be doing him a favor too. It helps that you genuinely really like this guy and it sounds like you two have a nice relationship. So I trust that you have the kind of rapport with him where you could gently guide him in a better direction without offending. It also helps, frankly, that you think he should be downgrading the ring, not upgrading it. You say that the ring is like too big and flashy, and your sister would prefer something a little more subdued. That is way easier to communicate than the reverse, right? Like where he gets her a tiny little ring and you're telling him he needs to spend more money. That to me would be rude to the point where I would advise you not to have the conversation at all. But in this case, he's coming in with too much. And I think it's way less awkward to suggest he just scale it back a bit. It's the kind of criticism that actually might even make him feel like a big shot for having aimed too high. And honestly, he might be pumped to save a little money and make his partner happier. It's win-win to me. I know you mentioned that he already put down some money on the ring, but I have to imagine like most jewelers would let him use that deposit on something else. So yeah, tell him your sister will thank you and he should thank you too. I love this advice. And, you know, as someone, I'm so, so close to my younger sister and her boyfriend, who I've known my whole life, they've been together since they were like 14. It's ridiculous and gross. Um, he didn't come to me to get my opinion on the ring, and I resent him for it. <laughs> but he did a, he did a like really great picked. job. The ring is beautiful. So if he's listening, you did a great job. This was years ago. But as a brother, I would love to be able to participate in picking out my sister's ring. But, you know, mm. that's just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would trust my sister. I feel like I don't know if she would like know what I'd want, but she'd know enough of what I don't want. She'd just be like, no, no, next, no. And maybe I get a ring, maybe I don't. She might eliminate them all. No, that's valid. And I feel like knowing what someone doesn't want is almost more important than knowing what they do want. Yes. Yes, 100%. All right, so next up, we have a writer who has noticed that their neighbors fight almost every night, yelling at each other with profanities. Our writer lives in a house next door, not in an apartment, so the yelling is super loud. Our DMer has noticed the fighting is between a man and a woman, so they're worried this could be a case of domestic violence, but they haven't witnessed anything physical firsthand. So Stephen, should our outrider butt in? They're kind of the person that typically keeps to themselves, and they don't want to call the cops because they don't know how severe the situation is and because a wellness check could make things worse. So what should they do? Should they butt in? What, what's, what's your advice? So this is like a very tough situation, and... I'll be honest, there's no one-size-fits-all solution that I can give because so much of how I would proceed here depends on the specifics of the situation, which include who your neighbors are, where you live, how severe the fighting is. Your instinct to think twice before calling the police is, in my opinion, very correct. Wellness checks often backfire, um, especially for people of color and especially for people experiencing mental illness. And they can also backfire uh, for victims of domestic violence in a different way. Um, after the police leave, there is always the possibility that the abuser is going to retaliate on their victim in some way. So calling the police in this situation should not be your first line of defense. Um, and you do take on risk by inviting cops into the picture. However, I can't tell you to rule out calling the police entirely because leaving a victim of domestic abuse to fend for themselves, that carries its own risk, and that's a considerable risk. I will say, 
if the situation ever does get to the point where you need to call the police, try to be nearby when they show up, make your presence known, let them know subtly or directly that you're watching. But I actually would not start there. Here's where I would start. Do you know this neighbor? If not, I would try to get to know them, not only because of the fighting, but also because it's just good to know your neighbors. And specifically, I would try to have some sort of a check-in with whoever it is that you're worried about. I guess I'm assuming that you're worried about the woman, but it's also possible that you're worried about the men. Either way, if you can foster some sort of a personal relationship with that person, you accomplish two things that are valuable. The first thing is you expand that person's social circle to include the home next door, which gives them a safe place to flee if there's ever a crisis. The second thing, if you can build up a good rapport with them, I think it's totally reasonable to ask them directly about the fighting and ask if they're okay. And then one other thing I want to say quickly, and this just depends so much on your town, city, country, region. So this is just research you have to do for yourself. But there are sometimes non-police institutions that you could call. Uh, I'm thinking of like social work agencies. If there's a child in the house, it might be appropriate to call Child Protective Services. But you really need to do your research and you also need to do your research because in some cases calling those non-police institutions will just cause that institution to call the police. So you have to do your research and I can't speak in broad strokes about it because it depends on where you live. But that's another avenue to explore. Mm. I really like your suggestion of just getting to know the person. And I know that might be daunting during a pandemic, but you know, maybe they're comfortable with an outdoor hang. Maybe it starts with making them some baked goods, dropping Mm -hmm. them off, you know, just like little normal neighbor things. Yeah. You know, I actually one time heard advice and this is actually not advice that I'm necessarily giving because I don't know if it's safe, but it was an interesting suggestion of if you hear a scary sort of fight happening at the apartment next door, sometimes you can just knock on the door and ask to borrow a cup of sugar. And it increases the awareness in that apartment that there's like other people around who are nearby, who are, who are in the mix. And even just having like that check-in where you're not, you're not confronting anyone about anything. You're just asking for a cup of sugar might deescalate the situation. I can't co-sign that because I don't know if that's safe for you, but it's just good to remind your neighbors that like, we hear you, we see you, we know what's happening. Okay. Actually, Steven, I know we usually only do three DMs, but we have one last DM that was sent to Zach and me, and we would love to get your opinion on it. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is a surprise DM. I know it's a surprise DM. Okay. So it's a woman whose friend is mad at her for disclosing what was going on in their group chat. Our DMer says she revealed what was in the chat because her friend's husband decided to fly from Texas to Cancun (laughs) for a vacation during a pandemic while millions of his constituents suffered. Our writer acknowledges that the husband is a total jerk for doing this, but she understands that group texts are sacred and under normal circumstances, what goes on in these chats stays there. How should our writer feel about this? So is the writer Heidi Cruz? So Steven, you know that we protect the identity of all people that write in, so we cannot speak to that. But I will say there are striking similarities between the writer and a current high-profile senator's wife that works at Goldman Sachs. Yes, in this situation, I believe the writer who DM'd us was the friend of Heidi Cruz, who revealed the text. Mm -hmm. The friend wants to know. Yeah, we want to help out. Should she feel bad about what she's revealed? Hell no. <laughs> uh, uh, scroll up, screenshot the rest, put everything out there. Absolutely not. No, I, I'll say this. Your friend deserves nothing. Your friend 
has no expectation of privacy, deserves no protection. Please ruin their life. Whatever you have, <laughs> put it out there. Send it to me. Okay. Steven with a ph dot Lacanti at buzzfeed.com. I will take it all. <laughs> like, give me it's all a the very mess. serious face right now i also okay i also want to say that you know because everyone was having this debate like would you share something that was in the group chat blah 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 and my first reaction was well it depends which group chat it is because honey yeah, i'm not absolutely. in just one <laughs> like and it's like it depends which one it is and this i haven't looked at myself but my roommate was telling me that the group chat wasn't like a close friends group chat it was the neighborhood group chat which and that apparently no one responded to heidi cruz's text which means they have a secondary group chat where they were probably all shit talking this and decided oh what they would do Oh, no, yeah. yeah. So the group chat was called Lovelies, by the way. Just Lovelies. That's what it was named. And I just love that so much. No, naming it Lovelies, that has Heidi Cruz written all over it. <laughs> I, I do think it, it speaks volumes about how little respect these people have in their own social circles that, you know, that person felt so comfortable, <laughs> like, leaking that text. I'm extremely <laughs> grateful for it. I also think it was, like, politically relevant to leak mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. Ted Cruz's initial statement about it was a lie when he said, I'm coming <laughs> back right away. And you've got Heidi saying $300 a night at the Ritz. Like, thank God they leaked it. And I honestly <laughs> think that I think the Cruises deserve so much worse than that. <laughs> well, Stephen, thank you so much for playing along with us on that last one and for giving us great advice on the other three. <laughs> uh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, that's it for today. Come back and join us on Monday. And remember, Julia, our producer, writes all of our and remembers. And I loved all three of them today, so I'm saying them all. And remember, if Stephen has to give advice on this vaunted Texas group chat featuring Heidi Cruz, that really is the definition of DM911. And remember, we will continue to talk about nepotism if it involves Lily Collins. And finally, remember, if there are any scientists out there who can explain gray matter to us, please help. Seriously. BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bauza, Alan Haberchak, Julie Karen, and Erica Nedanine. Special thanks to Tracy Ayers, Mangesha Ticketer, Samantha Hennig, and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. 
What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network.